Hey, I'm Spencer. And I'm Britton. And I'm Sir. Since 2011, Buckethead has released 286 albums in his Pike series. And we're going to listen to them. Three at a time. This is Getting Head. A Buckethead cast. 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 Welcome, bot slogs, friends, and bucketheads. This is episode 24 of Getting Head, a bucket cast. 24, like the show, Jack Bauer, big Jack Bauer energy. Oh, big Jack Bauer energy, big um, uh, uh, torture apologist energy. <laughs> oh, it. shit. Love. <laughs> so many people in that show, it's fucked up. <laughs> Yeah, no, no. It's just like it's absolute like uh like Middle Eastern torture porn. It's fucking nuts. Like the first like four seasons is just like Kiefer Sutherland like torturing fucking like Middle Eastern dudes and going, There's not enough time <laughs> And then that's like that's yeah. literally it. Yeah, pretty much. And then Tony Tony Almeida. <laughs> yeah, pretty yikes. That's it. Um Yeah, so uh we have a guest today. We do my dad yay hello sir how are you doing i'm doing well how are you Britt? how are you doing spence i'm doing great yeah doing doing all right hanging in there hanging in there is a good way of putting it hanging in there aren't we all yeah. always the the daylight saving time that happened recently like messed me all up yikes I, me too yeah i had to work me really too. early the next day and then i had to work really early Dude. the next like a few days after that Never. As a result, like I've just been so exhausted this week. It's been right. It's just like lighter so much later, and it's really weird. Yeah, it is weird, and I do really like that. It's cool seeing uh, yeah daylight in the evening. Yeah, I like that. It's just like there's an inconsistency with it, and uh, I'd like uh, maybe to live closer to the equator sometime <laughs> in my life. Could be nice. Could could be nice. Could peppers be nice. grow better there. You, know, you get better peppers. Better peppers, better life. Better. Better peppers. Uh, interesting fact: a um, hundred grams of bell pepper contains more water than one hundred grams of Coca Cola. Serious? Serious? Wow! Huh? That sounds like a thing you read on Reddit. <laughs> <laughs> Don't give away the secrets of my forbidden knowledge. Your black spectrum. <laughs> that's, that's not saying a lot for the hydrating quality of Coca-Cola, though, is it? But it not. is saying a lot for the hydrating quality of bell peppers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I knew a guy back in Alaska, actually, who just, like, exclusively drank, like, Pepsi, like, regular Pepsi. Like, he didn't drink water. I thought you were going to say peppers, and I was oh, really yeah, excited. <laughs> But he just drank Pepsi and was like, no, this is fine. I'll just drink Pepsi. I think that guy's got to have diabetes by now. Oh, 100%. 100%. But he has like a, a, a Gen X diabet diabetes, which is uh, pretty cool. A grandma flavored diabetes? She wasn't very Gen X, sir. <laughs> grandma was not Gen X. I mean, she had a ton of fucking surge in her garage at one point. That's pretty new metal. Surge is like probably the most new metal of the Yeah, but she she so the thing is she bought it for me and and, and my brother because it was on sale 
and she she didn't want it and like me and Beck were like no we don't <laughs> drink surge that's gross come on don't be a wuss and he, the problem is though cuz like she had all that shit and i think she eventually either drank it or threw it away or so well, she couldn't drink it cuz she had diabetes i love the idea of grandma's drinking surge though yeah me too and the, the thing is though like we could have capitalized on that because she had like cases of it and now like a can of original surge for a while on ebay was selling for like a hundred bucks whoa it was nuts i i'm still curious where she got the government cheese that she gave you guys oh nice government cheese <laughs> hell yeah i know a thing or two about that <laughs> I, I feel like she'd like just go to the food bank and give us the food from the food bank and i'm like i don't we could just go to the food bank and i'm kind of thinking she might have yeah <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was more just like the expired goods and shit she had in her house, which was, to be fair, like most of the food she had in her house. But where do you get government cheese? <laughs> Great question. <laughs> government. Where do you think? Like, sir, sir, you work for the government. Like, you know, yeah, just just ask some questions. Like, okay. <laughs> and then some some dudes in black suits show up at your door, like, uh, Alan, you he uh, we hear you've been asking a lot of questions about cheese. <laughs> You need to come with us, and then we just never see you again. It's above your clearance. It really is. Like the cheese questions are a little too heavy for the, the people upstairs, if you know what I mean. Heck yeah, that's great. Hell yeah, Brit, how you doing? Yeah. You know, hanging out, um, rocking out. That yeah, that's about it. Yeah. Hanging out. That's pretty good. Yeah, my, my, my sleep schedule also got just absolutely wrecked by daylight savings. Like, I haven't been able to go to bed until like 3 a.m. lately, and it's just been ugh, obliterating me. It's bad. Bad news bears. Gotta fix it. Real bad. Yeah. bad. yeah. So if I'm you got cats stay. and dogs, they don't care about daylight savings either. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yep. yep. Not bad. Yeah. Yeah. How are you doing, Spencer? What's, oh, you what's know. On your end? Um, I bought myself some fancy frying pans from from a fancy Good. kitchen store, but they haven't arrived Good. yet, and I'm bummed because I want to fry stuff in them. Did you get like Did you get like nice ceramic pans or copper pans? Uh, I bought just... a pans by a company called All Clad. They... Oh, okay, yes. Oh, okay, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Some, <laughs> some, nice some, pans. So, they, they, so the pans right. I got, I bought two pans. They're typically fifty bucks each. I got them on sale for mm -hmm. thirty each. It's a pretty good deal. Nice. Um, yeah. So. Really stoked. Stoked to fry up some mushrooms, some onions, garlic, maybe. Do all sorts of stuff. It's gonna be good. How about how about some zucchini? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's zucchini time, baby. <laughs> Hell yeah. Anything from the squash family gets me pumped. Any kind of root vegetable gets me pumped. You know. I I also root for root vegetables. Hell yeah, dude. I think that, the, that rutabagas are criminally underappreciated. They're real tasty. Oh, rutabagas are so good. You ever had rutabaga french fries? Yeah. Those are say, fantastic. Yeah. So good. Big fan. They've got like a like a little bit more of a savory flavor than a, they a, do. Than a potato. And, you know? and they cook up a little softer than potatoes yeah. and don't get quite as crispy, especially when making fries. But yeah. I wonder how like the... Uh, yeah, maybe an air fryer might work pretty well for that because it wouldn't take up so much oil. About that. I gotta pick up a rutabaga now. <laughs> Throw it in my air yeah. fryer. Rutabaga, rutabaga, rut. Oh, speaking of, uh, do you think they chant that at rutabaga concerts? No. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I, I like how we were on the same yeah, wavelength. Same wavelength. Yes. We hang out too much. Yeah, this we're canceled. <laughs> this is this is over. You also know my soundboard at this point. Like you know it's you know that's in there and I have it ready to go. It's good. I mean it's necessary, it's required. It really is. You know what I realize I don't have in there that I really need to is, uh, hell me, it's me again. <laughs> you do need that. It's like, right? It's like yeah. a isolated vocal, so you can just... Yeah, 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 I'm going to. You need that on your soundboard. Much like the largest size at a Cold Stone Creamery, you gotta have it. <laughs> in <laughs> I, 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 the thing I just like is it took me a second, but I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> because, yeah. I mean, you know me. I used to order the large size. I mean, you got to have it. You didn't like it. You didn't love it. You got to have it. I didn't. I, ha I had it to have it. That's, that's their sizing system, by the way. Like it, love oh, it, got to have I, it. I know. I know. That's why I'm disappointed that I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> Yeah, I haven't. Uh, yeah, I haven't been to one of those places. Uh, actually, you know what? Weirdly enough, I think the I, I bet they have time, vegan ice cream now. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, the last time I went to one of those, I think I was with you two and Beck. We're in downtown Seattle. This was like eleven years ago. Whoa! <laughs> I'm pretty sure that was the last time I went to a Cold Stone. There's a Cold Stone in downtown Seattle. Was I don't think it's there anymore. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember that shit at all. Oh yeah, the brain works in mysterious ways. Why do I remember this? I don't know. Because <laughs> it was really good ice cream. <laughs> it was pretty good. I remember having a good time with that ice cream. I think I got blueberry muffin batter ice cream. It was pretty Ooh, good. that sounds really good. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's an all right flavor. I mean, it's a it's a messed up flavor. Like, why does that exist? But okay. <laughs> Speaking of which, I gotta make some muffins, right? Hell yeah. Yeah. Oh, Hell great. yeah. Great. They're so easy to make, too. Not in your new frying pans, though, right? No, 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 no. <laughs> also, uh, big, um, big recommendation don't use bong water instead of. Water. Oh, God. <laughs> Do tell. So, when I was, um, you know, living back up in Alaska, living large, probably like eight, 18 years old, had recently like gotten into weed. Um, and you know, stuff gets dry up in Alaska, like in, and by dry, I mean, you know, before weed was legal or whatever, if you were getting it illegally, um, and you didn't have a very consistent dealer, like Never. it would just be hard to find weed sometimes, you know? Oh yeah. And, uh, so I ran out a weed and like, I either didn't have money to get any more or like couldn't find any. And so I decided, Hey, uh, there's a lot of like little things little bits and stuff in bong water right right i bet um i bet if i take the bong water and use it as water in something i could probably get really high off that and i'll like make rad edibles yeah uh. and so um <laughs> i looked i looked i looked through the pantry for like um <laughs> the thing the pre-made mix or whatever that like required the most water that i thought could mask it quite well enough and so it was um a box of uh i think like kurtzman's blueberry muffins okay. and uh i was like all right let's do it so i i used the bong water instead of water and it was mostly just like fucking 
like three month old ash in the bottom of shit. <laughs> yeah. I bet that tasted fucking terrible. I made those muffins and I ate like six of them. And I was like, oh, those were fucking gross, but this is going to get me high. It didn't get you high. And an hour and a half later, I'm like, well, shit, let me just eat like as many of them as I can and hopefully that'll get me high. So like, I ate like 25 muffins. <laughs> And I'm, I puked a lot. <laughs> Did it get you high at all? No, it didn't get me fucking high at all. It was, it Why would it that was, work? I don't know. I'm, I was, I'm stupid. I, I still am, but yeah. I, was, I was then too. Yeah, exactly, so. exactly. Um, but, but I am still stupid, but I am wiser now. Because I won't do that again. <laughs> Yeah, now you just that's, chug the bong water straight. Straight up, straight up. That's oh, what wisdom oh, is. So oh. I, just, I just snort the bong water now <laughs> and just fucking line it up. <laughs> straight oh. to the main vein. <laughs> Hell yeah. That's great. Hell yeah. Cool. Cool. Hey, Britt. Hey, Spencer. Can you hit us with a bucket fact? I, I think that's in... My wheelhouse. Bucket fact, 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 bucket fact. Although Buckethead has done a handful of covers spread out throughout his albums, most of which are either soundtrack themes or classical music, um, but with like the main outlier being a Jimi Hendrix song, there only appears to be one cover of a Buckethead song ever released on an album by a non-Buckethead related band. Really? That's kind of surprising to me. That is kind of surprising, I, yeah. I thought so. I mean, there's there's a bunch of covers like all over YouTube and stuff, but they're like none of them are like on an album. That's very interesting. Yeah, and I don't know if that has to do with like Buckethead not like clearing his stuff for other people to do. I think that has more to do with his fan base. I think that too. Like, yeah. And also a lot of his stuff is very him and wouldn't make sense to cover, really, honestly. Some of it would, though. Some of the stuff that you had me listen to this week, I think, would be beautiful stuff to cover. I mean, some really amazing material that was in there. Oh, yeah. We'll see. But um, anyway, um, this one cover uh, was a cover of an early Deli Creep song called Binge and Grab, uh, written instrumentally, like entirely by uh, Buckethead, which uh, first appeared in early 1990s Deli Creeps live sets, uh, but didn't appear again until Buckethead gave it an instrumental treatment for his 1994 album, Giant Robot. The cover uh, in question shows up on the 2009 album, Number One, by a band called Some Like It Not. Man, I thought you were going to say Sum 41. I was getting so pumped. <laughs> Wait, is Sum like it not? I, that's exactly what I thought. <laughs> that's a terrible band name, but it's kind of good. Uh, I, I, I couldn't really find any information on them, so I assume they broke up a long time ago. Um, the odd thing about the cover is uh, it's very much the main riff and like entirely the structure and like basically the backing of the song from the Buckethead song um, just played by like different 
musicians, but the song doesn't use any of Maximum Bob's original lyrics from the Deli Creep song, uh, and instead just make up their own lyrics. Interesting. Yeah, it's... I listened to it, and it, uh... I was just confused the whole time, I guess, because it's like... I mean, the guitarist of, of uh, Some Like It Not is good, but he's no Buckethead. Who is? <laughs> That's true. That's true. Who is Buckethead? Great question. Great question. One more here. I think he would be a really interesting guy to get to know. Oh, uh, certainly. If he, would, if he would ever let you in to to, to actually get to know him, because the what I find most fascinating about him, a lot of the stuff uh, on a couple of these albums that you had me listen to was uh, kind of enlightening in a lot of ways um, because they were so riff heavy that if you took three riffs out of any one song out of the 20 or 30 riffs that he was playing within the context of the song, you could build an entire song out of three of those riffs. Oh, yeah. I mean... It was just the, 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 the fountain of ideas that was coming out of this guy's head is just absolutely staggering. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry, uh, the fountain of ideas coming out of his bucket. Okay. No, I mean, yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that, was, uh, that was an interesting bucket fact. Um, I. I would like to see other Buckethead covers, but not YouTube Buckethead covers. That may be something I mean, we should re- we should visit at some point in the future. But good point, good point. Maybe yeah. Or even if not covers, I'm thinking you know just just mining this stuff for ideas is fascinating to me. Uh-huh. I mean, the inspiration that I got out of some of it when I was listening to it was like. I got to learn what he's doing here to pick up a bass. It's like, okay, what is he doing? What, what what's this progression? How is it, how is this you know working together? And it was really fascinating to kind of dig into some of it and find out what what the context. Now I got to ask though, who plays bass and who plays drums for him? Um, so the drums are assumed to be almost entirely um, like just programmed. Really? Okay. So- and then bass. Yes and no. There are mm-hmm. some records. I think <clears throat> I think the first of the records we listened to today, I think might have live drums. Some of the records yeah, seem yeah. to have live drums and but most mm-hmm. of them are programmed. And and Dan Monty does play drums. Interesting. Okay. I mean, according, that makes sense. To, uh, accor- according to Brian Mantia, who is a drummer, a great drummer. So yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um but yeah, so if there is a drummer on this album, uh, it's it's Brian Mantia. The bass duties are shared between Brian and Buckethead. Okay. And you can definitely tell a we lot more Dan when Monty Buckethead's Monty. playing. I'm sorry, Dan Monty. Yeah. Um, uh, Dan Monty and Buckethead. Um, you can tell a lot more, I think, when Buckethead's playing, though, because it's a lot more like slap-heavy, kind of more funk-oriented, or it's just like pretty simple stuff. I think Dan Monty might be the one who does like the more harmonic type of stuff. Like um and uh, maybe maybe with that we'll uh, we'll kind of just uh dive into these albums. Okay. Yeah. So we uh, seven, three Buckethead albums. We certainly did. Uh Pike's 7071 and 72 respectively. Mm-hmm. Snow Slug. 
celery, and closed attractions. Oh yeah. Uh, pretty 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 diverse offering this week. Pretty diverse. Um, Extremely diverse. Yeah, I found yeah. I, I didn't find any two songs you know, on any of these albums and across the albums that were anything like each other. Well, um, true. Given one of these albums was a song. <laughs> yeah, well, that's true. <laughs> but there was movements within that song too. Sure. Yeah, yeah. We will I mean, get, we will get there, but Pike 70 Pike 70 Snow Slug released on July 29th, 2014. Oh yeah. Yeah, and that's uh that's going to be actually before Category of Awareness, the previous Pike. Interesting. Okay. It was it was released about a month before that. Weird. Yeah, this one uh, is interesting. There's there's some interesting riffs on it. Um certainly and it feels like real drums to me in, in this record because there's a lot of like those like high pitched toms that mm -hmm. I, we've heard. Yeah, before. the roto toms. Yeah, the yeah. roto toms rule. Yeah. Love those. Yeah, it feels like real drums to me. Um, the drumming is a little bit more interesting than mm -hmm. some of the other pikes, which I think really helps sell those riffs. And the way that he builds on those riffs, I think, was pretty interesting. Like, there's definitely like a lot of. I had trouble listening to it at first because. Um, the, the main riff and everything, I couldn't tell that the, the guitar wasn't just using an octave pedal to, to go ahead and generate the bass tones. Because it, too. it followed so closely to the main riff that it was just like there was, there, was, there was no harmonic divergence at all, and it was just like lockstep. And my first thought was that when I heard it, honestly, was there's a guitar player playing bass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you can tell when guitar players play bass. I mean, yeah. they think differently. They don't. Bass players typically look for open space, and either to fill that space or to or to open it further. And there was no open space there at all. It was just like you know, pound, 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 right in lockstep with the guitar. And I found that it's like, is what am I actually hearing here? Is is this is this the guitar player just with? You know, a sub octave generator on this, just plowing this through for another track, or what? Could be. At the same time, there were a couple tracks that had like really great bass on it, like uh, track three, O thirty eight. Oh, a agreed. really cool, yeah. hard, like really harmonic, like dynamic bass part that like wasn't doing like anything the guitar was doing. And yeah. I, I thought that one was probably Dan Monty. Yeah, that one was interesting to me in particular be, uh, because it, even though it was, the bass seemed really far back in the mix, though, too. It wasn't out front at all. It was mm -hmm. just really, really subdued, but it was doing interesting things in the back, too. And, and maybe we should talk about like the production of this album because this one had a very distinct, unique-sounding production. To me, it sounded like um, very like eighties, early 80s Russian-inspired, maybe. Sure. Yeah. Or like, yeah. just like early 80s prog in general. Like, Actually, that's one of the notes that I had is this sounds a lot prog to me. Yeah, it was, very, it was very, very much uh, like, like some of that stuff or uh, who else? Uh, Camel or some of those bands. Mm -hmm. Just very, the, the riff structures themselves. Every once in a while, it would, it would dig into something that was almost metally, but then it would kind of come right back out in the... What I also found fascinating is that there were no solos, really. Yeah, barely any. Yeah, yeah. That's true. Very, yeah, yeah. Very, very there was a lot of riffs. It was, it was a, definitely a riff album, yeah. for sure. 
And we found, that, that, yeah, we found that Buckethead does this sort of stuff. Like he'll release albums that are very like riff or structure centric, less mm-hmm. so on like leads, which I think is interesting because it's, it's like cool to hear him explore that space. Yeah. It is. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, let's see, um, I really like track two, especially in the intro, because it had a really interesting tension to to the intro- introduction. And for, for for my money, anyway, music has always been about tension and release. Yeah. You know, you, you do things to build tension, and then all of a sudden you just let it go and just release everything. And then that gives the listener this all of a sudden kind of a euphoric rush of like... Whoo- Okay, resolve, you know, um, and I found that, that that the intro to that did a really, really good job of that, and then it went right into this really super proggy thing, which which is very, actually very cool. Oh yeah, oh yeah. The one yeah. thing that I did find interesting though too is that the entire album, his guitar tone didn't change at all. Did you guys notice that? Oh yeah, yeah, <sighs> yeah. Not a not a ton. Yeah. Um and the the bass. Tone did change though, like which was yeah. interesting. Yeah, the bass tone did, but but the oh. guitar tone it was just like he's got the same same everything on it and just plowing through it, on, and it sounded very much stratty to me too. Interesting, stratty because I don't know how much he really uses a ton of like single coil stuff. He may have the ability to coil tap on his guitars. I I don't actually. Oh, that's true. I never even thought about that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I liked this Pike quite a bit. Yeah, I thought it was fun. It was a good listen. No, I would, it's yeah. definitely worth listening to, especially because, like, like I said earlier, like the drumming is a lot more interesting than some of definitely. the other ones that we've listened to, and as a result, mm-hmm. it gives it more energy, and like that mm-hmm. energy is really nice. It it actually kind of feels like an album too. Like every song, like feels like a different song. But like they all have the same theme, which is nice. Kind of, yeah. Um, yeah. I think that the, again, the guitar tone adds to that. To thematically, it's, it gives a consistency to it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Back to song three, I found some interesting things on that. That was the one song in the album that I found was just an absolute, just fountain of riff ideas. Because um, what I found fascinating is that very often in in this in particular. Generally, in a song, you'll find that uh, a theme will be established, and then you'll modify on the theme, and then you'll you know do something a little different, but you'll kind of circle around to that theme again eventually within the song. And he didn't. I mean, this song in particular, it just kept going riff, 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 and it never actually came back and resolved anything to the back at the beginning of the song. Mm-hmm. So as far as just this just unbelievable cache of of riff ideas, it was like holy crap, where does this guy come up with this stuff? Um, And what was really interesting, about 11.45 in the song, I found, don't know if you notice it, but it got really Sabbath. I mean, all of a sudden, he gets into the minor second stuff that's like, ooh, this is doom. I mean, There's a couple very, like, Sabbath-type things here. And actually, the drumming is kind of Sabbath at places, too. It's very, like, Bill Ward. Yeah. And I actually wrote a note on one of these songs, and... uh, track um track five called uh sl 52 i i said it's like a uh maybe like 70s metal but like with a very modern sludge vibe to it like maybe if like bill ward played for mastodon <laughs> yeah yep 
But it was it was pretty rad. Like I mean, yeah, pretty fun. Like yeah, Mastodon's awesome, including their drummer. But if they had a worse drummer, they'd still be a good band. It's not hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. On song four too, I noted that on the song four W one. Right at about seventeen fifteen, he comes in with this kind of a quacky sounding envelope filter thing. Oh, he does a lot of envelopes. Oh, does he? Okay. That. Oh yeah, he's a big envelope fan. <laughs> I like he said that. I would be envelope fan. Yeah, I would say like this is a good one to listen to. Um, no. <clears throat> we listen to more though. That wasn't all. Do we did? Whoa, we'll hold up though. But what what oh, ride right. does it go on? Yeah. What ride does it go on? Oh, this is like, it's like one of those rides where like they take you through a slow progression and there's like uh, a procession, right? And there's like animatronic figures, but this is one of like mm-hmm. hell. Whoa, hell. Okay. Yeah. Fuck like it. so, like a tunnel of love, but hell. Yeah, tunnel of hell. Tunnel of hell. Yeah. yeah I I completely agree. I, I had a note too on SL fifty two that. Uh, that it sounds like a '70s thunder riff, um, yeah, yeah. and uh, but what was fascinating? Twenty-one twenty into at the song, it finally breaks, and it's it's really, really, really super tense, and all of a sudden, it just breaks into this sudden resolve, and it's like, oh, where in the world did that come from? And it kind of took me by surprise that it did, in context to the, what I'd heard in the album before that, though, too. Nice, yeah. yeah. Where, um. Sir, what uh, what ride at Buckethead Land is this the soundtrack to? What ride on Buckethead Land is this the soundtrack? So, so I don't know if you noticed, but um, on the cover of every album you listen to, it says Buckethead Land. Uh-huh. No, I didn't notice that. Oh well, okay. Well, so Buckethead Land is the fictional theme park that uh, Buckethead has created. And it's assumed by a lot of people that because all of these albums have Buckethead Land at the head of them, and a lot of them have to do with, like, uh, you know, theme park tangential ideas. Yes. Perhaps every one of these pikes is a different ride at Buckethead Land. And so after each album, we figure out what's... Um, you know, what ride Buckethead Land did that go to? Hmm. That's my idea for like some kind of weird animatronic hell. Let's <laughs> see, that's my thought. Mostly because like there's a lot of bluesy riffs, like you said, a lot of minor seconds, like a lot of like. You know that like seventies version of hell, not like not like an eighties or nineties or modern version, but like a seventies hell, if you yeah. like blood rock hell. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> where like you see Satan and he has like velvet wings and he's ooh, like, <laughs> that's my Satan. The, the 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 how about this? The kiss version of hell. <laughs> like I ma- I imagine the devil is not that different from Gene Simmons. Yeah, let's probably be not. No, they're <laughs> pretty no. close. Can't imagine. Um, I thought this album would be a great soundtrack to the Prague Coaster. It's a computer-generated coaster uh, 
that's synced to prog music. <laughs> and all the tracks split apart, wherein each car can go back and forth in relation to the music. It, the is this anything like that, uh, like when you go to like a Regal theater and they play that like intro thing where it's like you're, you're going through space and there's like the popcorn blast and there's like a the giant Coca-Cola floating around. Is it like that? Because that's what I imagine. Yeah, yeah except uh, they can't really afford that at Bucket Headland, so it's just a dude throwing popcorn and sodas hit you. That sounds better, actually. Like, yeah, it does. Really cool. yeah. <laughs> very Mike 71 was another album we listened to. Celery. Celery. Released on August 5th. 2014, so just um, seven days, one week after the last bike. Yeah, it's been. Yeah, I I found this one really fascinating in relation to the last one because the first album sounded like there was uh, like zero overdubs on the album. It Mm -hmm. sounded like something that could have been played live in stream in a studio and just recorded in one shot and done. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this one uh, actually actually had significantly different production value to it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the, the drums were definitely a lot more canned. Um, yeah, definitely like very programmed drums. Mm-hmm. Um, that didn't. I don't feel like that really hurt it. I mean, it's it's another yeah. one of those records. Now, here's the thing. The thing is that Buckethead does this sort of a thing every now and again, where he'll just do like a long. I call it long form soloing. Uh, where yeah. he just does like a kind of yeah. lead progression over like some rhythm rhythm riffs, and it's very very long, um, and it kind of has its own movements, tension and release, like you mentioned, um, and and then kind of resolves. And they, this one's a pretty good one, honestly, for one of those. I liked it. I really enjoyed the album a lot. Um, it had almost kind of an arena rock feel to some of it. Sure, yeah. Okay. The the riff structures. Um, at one point, I noted that uh, the bass was mixed so far back that it sounded like Metallica. <laughs> <laughs> Only and justice for all, though. Yeah, I mean, it's like, I mean, it was way, way back. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, um, but the uh, the overall tone that he was using in his guitar too, I thought was very interesting. It was yeah. a lot more depth to it and a lot more dimensionality to the tone. This is his kind of standard like alt metal tone that he uses for a lot of stuff, and it's it's a good tone. It um, is. It's it's pretty recognizable and pretty iconic of of the bucket. Yeah, um, it's it, it wasn't it, it it sounded not necessarily like a live amp, but it was a good simulation of a live amp if it was a simulation. Yeah. Um, but getting really good tone out of a, a good tube amp is almost impossible now anyway, unless you're willing to spend a fortune on the tubes. Because yeah, the new tubes <laughs> to, to track it with. The new tubes that they have out there, they they're they're awful for that. I don't know if you remember when we retubed uh, uh, what was the other guy's name in Bloodfist? Um, Chris Chris. Chris. Chris's amp? Chris, yeah that great and we actually retubed that with uh, Mullard uh, 12AX7s. Yeah, we sounded way some better. Blackburn Mullards. I mean, real Blackburn Mullards, and put them in there. And it was like, holy crap! That thing sounded amazing. It was sounded alive. And that's what I mean by the a, a tube tone. 
with proper tubes, you get a dimensionality out of the tone that's impossible to replicate with anything else. It's just, it sounds like it's three-dimensional. And even with simulators now, they're getting closer, but I still haven't found a simulator yet that comes up with that kind of depth of tone. Yeah. Compared to like other modern gear, um, though, I really feel like the the amp sims, the, the, the plugins that we have now are like, honestly better in a lot of circumstances than just recording your amp in your room with a microphone like you're gonna get a better sounding mix yeah especially when it comes to sound treatment and isolation like yeah like engineering a microphone with an a very loud amplifier like it's it's one thing to like you know just have like a fender twin reverb or like something kind of small with really good tone and try miking that but especially if you're like a metal musician yeah and you want a super gainy, loud tone, like, miking that well sucks. Yeah, it's hard. And, you know, it's a, it's a very specialized skill, you know? Mm, and it's definitely. like, I'm not saying that that stuff can, like, is bad. I mean, it's... Can, no, it no, it can sound great. Oh, yeah, totally. Oh. But, like, for the average person, like, it's not worth it. I don't think... It's because- difficult to do. It really is. I know no. that... Um, I was chatting with my friend Stuart Mathis here a while back, uh, who plays guitar for Lucinda Williams. And uh, he said that uh, anymore the uh, UA sims are really, really good. Mm-hmm. And he said they're just getting really extraordinary. They're not, they're not cheap, but... Mm-hmm. And you have, you have to have dedicated hardware to run that yes. in a lot of circumstances. But that stuff is amazing, right? And <clears throat> there's a couple like really interesting uh, things. Like there, somebody released a, um, an analog synth on a, on a USB stick. So it's like, it's a circuit, it's an analog circuit on a USB stick that you plug in and it bounces all the audio to that and back in real time. So it's huh. just an analog synth that you can run off of a USB stick, which is just wild. Really? Yeah. It's weird. Yeah. What kind of latency do you get off of that? Uh, it's, I, it's really good. I, I, from what I remember, it was like, it minuscule. Like it didn't matter. Like, really? With it. Yeah. Interesting idea. Yeah. Right. Pretty wild. Yeah, the, uh, the first song on this album. Um, the only song on this album? Uh, okay, yeah. You mean the last song, sir. <laughs> um, uh, what I found in this, that, um, that his soloing, his phrasing was absolutely beautiful. Yeah, it was really good phrasing. Um, I honestly, so I kind of felt like this could have been broken up better into three songs. I agree, yeah. Um, because, like, about 13 minutes in, like, he changes direction a lot, and he, like, starts vamping on this really cool melodic thing that goes on for about five minutes, but when that ends, it goes very much back to, like, what he was doing before. Yeah, at, at about it, 19 minutes in jam. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, like, I, I really, really liked that five minutes far more than anything else on this album slash song. I agree. But, um, yeah, they, that's where I actually made, made the note of the phrasing and the solos because mm. what I found that what I always look for in guitar solos is something like uh, what Frank Gambale does is uh-huh. he, uh, he 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 looks for <clears throat> not only space to do it, but he looks to try to make a statement. Like the solo has 
a beginning, it has a context to the middle, and then it has a conclusion, and it all makes sense as, lo- as though it was a conversation, as, it, if, as if he was talking to you. And his soloing in here actually did that. It actually struck me as very lyrically, almost vocally lyrical, the way, the way it came across. And it was a really, really beautiful solo. In that one section especially was just amazing. And what was really fascinating is that the guy's obviously got chops. I mean, this guy is really very, very good. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't show them very often. Not a, uh, not a song. Yeah. Not, he, yeah. he, he it, it, album to it, album, it depends. Because there are some albums that are literally like 30 minutes of music and he's soloing and just shredding over like 29 minutes and 45 seconds of it. This This reminded me of, remember when we saw Eric Clapton? And there was one point in the Clapton concert that I looked at you and it was and said, "Did he do what I think he just did?" But it, he, he was just like f- sailing along this really smooth solo, and then he did something within about a half a second that took him fifty years to master. Yeah, and it's like, dear God, did I really hear that? And then he never did it again. Yeah, um, unfortunately, when we saw him too, he didn't go on any racist rants like he he does. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, no, I didn't know that. Tell me more yeah, about Eric, Eric Clapton. Absolutely a racist. Um, oh, one sec. I mean, yeah. if you want me to play this, but <laughs> but what Buckethead did here, he he would do in this little shred thing, and then he'd go back to this yeah. smooth, silky, beautiful soloing. Yeah. And then he'd shred just, just a second, and then just back to it, and it's like, okay, this guy's really, really talented. In order to do that and restrain himself for one from shredding full time is is an art in itself. If he's got got that kind of chops, Brie, you want to know something interesting? This is a a button no. fact that maybe I think you should have shared here. This album, yeah. Pike Seventy One, is the one hundredth album Buckethead released. Oh, well, I don't get that. <laughs> I didn't know that. Thank you. <laughs> Beautiful. But what it, it kind of says to me is that, you know, guitarists don't have to p- play blazing fast. Nah. It's it, you, the soulful feel of it, of every single note matters. It's something that Chick Corea always said. In fact, Frank Gambale, story about him was like, every note counts. And he, you know, evidently he told him, you know, you can play a lot of notes, but every one of them had better matter. 100%. And... Um, and your note choices, and I find that being a bass player, I find that's extremely important because you know you don't want to overplay and blow over the vocalist. Um, you don't want to diminish the spotlight when the, when somebody is soloing. You just want to have a good foundation for it. And as you transition things, you have to be very careful about your note choices of what you do in order to fit in. As this Sting said. It's not a chord until the bass defines it. So one note that you can play in there can change the entire construct of the song that you've just played. I bet Sting has said some weirder stuff, though, right? Oh, I'm yeah. sure. <laughs> <laughs> but what's a pretty fascinating guy? Sting, Sting has ever said is, um, who the fuck packed deodorant? I don't wear deodorant. To start, I guess. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. I think that this this album would be a good soundtrack to like a tunnel of love type thing. 
I, I was thinking more like a tunnel of celery. Oh yeah, yeah, that that too. Yeah, um, it could be the the music mm. that they play in the kitchens while the cooks are prepping. Yeah, I was actually I, I wrote here celery themed restaurant or <laughs> restaurant that only serves celery. Mm. Um, bold. That's a that's a bold and dance. I, th I think it'd be cool to have a restaurant called that called Tunnel of Celery, right? It is like, is the architecture celery based? Is it like, does it look like celery? Like you walk in. I mean, if if you, I mean, if you could find a building to do that, I I don't. I mean, unless you had a lot of money to build that, I guess. I mean, this doesn't seem like a lot of money idea, but like it, imagining that it does. <laughs> well, I'm I'm trying to think though, like would the building like look like celery lying down or like a stalk like standing up? Standing I mean, up, I think. But then it has like a smaller celery, like so it's like a semi-crescent, uh, you know. I, okay. I, I actually made note on here too that of even more so than the the first album, this this one sounded very much like single coil sort of sound. Mm. Sounded like single coil bridge pickup, just kicking. Could not, be, but I mean, almost almost thin, but not really. It was still really ballsy, but but not at all you know, beefy humbucker sort of a sound at all. Beefy. <laughs> Listen to one more Pike. Yeah, we Pike 72. Oh, yeah. Closed Attractions. Released on August 13th, 2014. Eight days after Celery. You, you know, this one, like, it already, it names its soundtrack in the name. Like, we don't... I was going to say, it does feel like a closed attractions album. It's 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 kind of sleepy. Yeah. Uh, it's it's not bad. Really it's it's pretty, some of his... Like, melodic leads on it. For... Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's uh, definitely a more lead-heavy, like, post-rocky type thing. Yeah. For the most part. And it's, uh, it's you know, it's pretty good. I don't I don't really like... I think the album gets better near the end. Uh, it starts off a little too bluesy for my tastes. Mm -hmm. um, and then gets, you know, a lot more like just kind of calm, melodic. I actually uh, I have to tell you, there was nothing about this album that I didn't absolutely love. Nothing? Wow. Nothing. That's, uh... I mean, I was astounded at the difference in what I heard between this and the first two albums. Um, mm -hmm. You're right. I thought that the, the at first it's the, the the tone that he was using was this clean, crisp, almost it, it was like going into the mountains in the springtime in Alaska and breathing in the air this crispness that you feel with it. And it was this amazing. Poetic. It was almost like Mark Knopfler, sort of a just pristine sort of a tone. And the melody lines were absolutely beautiful. I mean, just just gorgeous, gorgeous melodies. Um, Melodic head. Yeah. Melodic head. Um, everything was, and this was actually really melody driven too. Yeah. And, and it, this one, unlike the first two, actually did return to themes mm -hmm. within the context of the song very, very differently than what I heard in those first two albums. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I don't know if it, part of it was because of the tempos that he was using that he was pulling those things in. Um, he did amazing work with creating open spaces. Um, 
especially in the second song was that that blew me away um and it was that one in particular had what almost sounded like a gut string guitar in the back oh. uh, which i don't know if it was gut string or if it was steel string but it was so, sounded kind like of like a string, gut. you mean nylon string yeah yeah, yeah exactly. i think it was a nylon string yeah yeah I don't but think it, they use that, guts for strings anymore. So. Yeah, we had that that ambiance to it. It was just like just kind of a a really warm, warm feeling to that guitar in the back too. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I I actually really liked it. I thought I liked the atmosphere to it. And like, so the, these albums, these like more like uh, nuanced, like atmospheric melodic albums, tend to be really popular on the internet. But this one was Dude. not really that mm -hmm. popular it didn't really have like a huge not a lot of people talking about it on the internet which i thought was interesting um right. and that made me listen to it a little bit harder but I, I i liked it i thought it was good you know i thought it was one of the better ones in that style that he's done yeah. uh, honestly when i heard it my first thought was where can i buy this i like this in my collection because bucketheadpikes.com baby okay um the third song honestly um make me want to cry <laughs> I mean it was it was so emotional and so it reminded me of a particular incredibly attractive blonde lady I know <laughs> <laughs> hell yeah love that yeah cool. but it was just soft and it was just elegant mm -hmm. uh, and in Beautifully stated, um, just an amazingly beautiful song. He's actually that, 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 that emotive stuff, like when he really like commits to being emotive in in an atmospheric way. Like he can do some really interesting stuff. I, I definitely feel like this is a good example of that. And uh, I thought it was really enjoyable to listen to. I, th these three were were like a good mix of of like his styles. Like we we depending on you know what the three albums. Are like like it really vastly changes our discussion. Like sometimes we have like a longer discussion, and sometimes it's a shorter discussion about the album, simply because you know sometimes they're all very very similar, sometimes they're very very different, sometimes they like don't com contrast each other very well, and sometimes they really really do. And I feel like in this circumstance, mm -hmm. like the, this you know sequence of three was was actually like a very good contrast. Like they all you know kind of brought yeah it was yeah it was a, a pretty good uh, introduction to buckethead and uh which makes me ask uh sir had you listened to buckethead at all before this what was your not history much with i've heard a few things over the years but not a lot mm. um i have one comment too that uh, on the fifth song on this album there was something that struck me as really interesting um the tone was still really really crisp and really really tight it was very unlike the first few songs though but I don't know if you guys caught this or not, but it reminded me tremendously of early early Eric Johnson. Okay. Around the Venus Isle, uh, Avaya Musicom sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. It had that a distinct vibe about that that was very, very much like Eric Johnson, the way it was flavored and the way it was phrased. I'm sure, that, um, I'm sure uh, Eric Johnson is probably a pretty big influence for Buckethead. Like that doesn't seem outside the realm of, you know, his... Uh, his coop. Yeah, that that's true. I mean, it's, you know, well, I think any guitar player should listen to Eric Johnson because the guy's a flipping genius. Yeah. It's a, it's great that Johnson is another word for dick. 
Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you know where that comes from. Eric Johnson. L <laughs> LBJ Lyndon Baines Johnson. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A monster hog. Yeah, yeah. LBJ's monster hog. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> it's like a historical fact that, like, uh -huh. Lyndon Baines Johnson, like, had a fucking giant. Will you say his name again for me one more time? <laughs> Lind Lyndon Baines Johnson. <laughs> you said it so weird. This kid. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, he would just like take it out and show it to people. Like, yeah, like hey, senators it's, and it's, shit. It's like recorded in history, like many times. Yeah. Like, you just like, whip out his fat dong and be like, <laughs> leader of the free world, baby. <laughs> Civil Rights Act, baby. Magnum dong, baby. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, which of these three albums do you think that uh, Lyndon Johnson would like the most? I think the first. Oh, definitely the first one. He'd be like, I don't know about this hard rock and roll music going on. And then at the end of it, he'd be like, it's a little groovy. But not he was a pretty hip guy Johnson. overall, really. I mean, eh, it, was, it was all right. Hey, he signed the Civil Rights Act. Yeah, which was I, 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 I mentioned that like a minute ago, out the gate, just because like that's yeah. something yeah. he's that's deserving of credit yeah, for. Like president could do really. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's good. That's you good. know, but you know, Vietnam. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> tremendous. Yeah. yeah, yeah, downside. Now you know it's it's time for. My personal favorite part of the show, it's because it's the part where I get to talk the most. Um, <laughs> and that is called Statements from the Bucket Bucket All right. So, Statements from the Bucket Boy. This is a segment of the show where we like to shine a light into the dark corners of the internet. Um, bring up some some statements that people are throwing out there things people are saying the the talk the haps if you will you know the 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 impression that they get <laughs> to quote the mighty mighty pasta <laughs> i will never knock on wood to also quote the same song uh Anyway, so what this really means is, hey, we're going to read some uh, some comments from people on the internet, and we're going to just, just talk about the things that they have to say, you know? Is it valid? Is it, yeah. is it good? Is it, is it bad? What do we got? Com yeah. Comments from the bucket net, if you will. Indeed. Indeed. YouTube user Arifin Priam says, very few people know Buckethead because very few people understand good. So two problems with that. Firstly, Buckethead is not not well known. He's a very successful musician. Um, and yeah. second, secondly, um, uh, I don't like to understand what is good is a pretty broad thing. You know, everybody kind of has their own their own perspective on that, right? Yeah, that's no. an awfully subjective statement. Yes, that's, uh, <laughs> an awfully uh, subjective YouTube comment. <laughs> I'd say I'd say what is good, baby. Don't hurt me. Don't hurt me no more. Uh, okay. Okay. That that almost yeah. works. I understand where the guy's coming from because he's just a huge fan of something. But sure. at the same time, 
you know, in, in the life of every musician, you've got clunkers and you've got success stories. And mm -hmm. some people will be fans and even embrace the clunkers. Yeah, that's true. Um, and, uh, you know, I'd rather be realistic about it personally and recognize where I need to improve. Yeah, yeah. Heck yeah. You got to do it. Hell yeah. The band, hell yeah. Hell yeah. Always hell yeah. <laughs> That's um, all we talk about on this. YouTube user Eugene <laughs> Zwang, Zwang says, Bucket is the only one who can write a 29 minutes tune about a vegetable that we don't eat and it is still tasty every minute. But wait. User Four Walls Music responds, Truth. So these people don't eat celery is, is what I'm hearing. Celery a vegetable? I thought it was a grass. Yeah, that's a great question. A lot of people talk about celery being, being a vegetable, and yeah, it's like a... I guess it is, maybe. Have they ever eaten it with peanut butter? I know, right? Like, what are you doing? No, it's... <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry. Anything you put pair up with peanut butter is going to be tasty. That is true. And also, like, any soup that you put celery into is going to taste better as a result of celery being in it, because celery's amazing in soup you know well i mean you can just add celery salt and tuna salad and salmon salad i'm talking about celery flavor i'm talking about celery okay, flavor yeah yeah you, yeah you get a celery flavor in your soup your soup's gonna mm. taste better now celery as a as a like a thing to eat so like i i think that that can be a bit more contentious of a statement like considering whether or not you want that in a soup but the flavor of celery cannot be understated it is delicious and it's high in water it's high in fiber there's nothing bad there for you hmm. it's actually um i'd rather eat that than kale <laughs> <laughs> it's it's one of the few things that actually has uh fewer calories in it than it takes to digest correct yes nice mm -hmm. get yourself in a deficit there Hell yep yeah. celery, celery diet baby yeah. yeah just get full on celery and you'll die of scurvy <laughs> I always thought that was super funny. Like growing up, like you'd hear like stories of like college students getting scurvy like, just by like ramen. eating Totino's party pizzas. Yeah, <laughs> ramen. Which is like that. That just is amazing to me. I think that's right. so good. Just like they're bringing back like things you only got by like living on like ships going around the world in like the 18th century. You know, just because they can't be uh, bothered to eat anything but hot pockets. <laughs> my, yep. my father actually worked with a guy who was hospitalized for malnutrition because for months he ate breakfast, lunch, and dinner at McDonald's. Oh my God. I said, what about breakfast at McDonald's? McDonald's. <laughs> uh, that, yeah, that's the name of the episode. <laughs> I don't know what he was eating there, if he was just eating fries and hash browns with each meal or what, you know, but it's like, yeah, he was malnourished. You know funny, it's like it would actually be like kind of difficult to be malnourished eating simply like potatoes and cheese, because if you eat potatoes with cheese on them, you actually get mm -hmm. all vitamins. A, com yeah, a little bit of protein, all vitamins. Which is weird. Um, so like, like, it's one of those things like beans and rice. Yeah, yeah, like potatoes and cheese is like one of those weird pure meals where you like get pretty much all of the nutrients you need. So it's very surprising <laughs> that could happen. Which is how the Irish still exist. Right there. 
Yikes. Anyways, let's move on here. Up next, we have YouTube user Grant Morning, who says, a bit of a manifesto here. I think Buckethead might not be a human. I'm literally being serious, too. Like, 320 albums or something with constant fresh content. How can someone even create that much music, let alone perfect it, let alone be God at it? What does he think? He's AI or something? <laughs> I'm not sure. Like, like, I think the most realistic interpretation of that is like Buckethead is multiple people. Like that. Well, I mean, he kind of, for the Pikes, he is. Yeah. It's him and Dan Monty, at least. Yeah. Um, nah, probably just him and Dan Monty. But, uh, yeah, I, I like the idea of people on YouTube being like, yeah, I'm so serious. Buckethead's an alien. <laughs> When do we start seeing Buckethead Lizard Man conspiracies? Lizard when when do you think Q gets a hold of Buckethead? Oh, we mentioned Buckethead and the Q drop. Ah, would be amazing. I mean, we can do it right now and it's going to take off even if we don't want it to. Uh, no, unfortunately. <laughs> no. A little bit more complicated than that, okay? We wouldn't be posting with Q's trip code so nobody would believe it. True. But there are lots of people there who just start conspiracy. Oh yeah, there's lots themselves. of dumb pieces of shit. I mean, like there's yeah, a lot know, of... that's the only reason that stuff exists. People. Yeah, it's yeah. it's 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 funny. Yeah. Yeah. A big <laughs> shout out to uh, the podcast Q and Oh, it's so good. It's you my favorite show it. right now. I Fantastic. listen to it uh, obsessively. It's very good. It's very funny. Um. Anyways, <clears throat> if if Buckethead was not a human, like why is he still here on Earth? <laughs> Well, what if what if he's not human, but he's like a, a just a really oddly shaped dog, or like a shaved Bigfoot? Ooh, <laughs> yeah. What if he's Sasquatch, and Sasquatch was just like tired of living in the woods, and he's like, I want to go to Cali and fucking shred. Dogs. And that's why he doesn't play without the bucket on and the mat. Oh, because then we'd recognize oh, okay. him from those like that out of his forehead thing. Yeah, we'd be like, oh, he's a Squatch, but now like, we, yeah. Bucket and the Hendersons, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that could be the name of the episode. <laughs> yeah, I think that's better. <laughs> we already uh, had a breakfast at. Totally, totally, totally. Um, so this was this was a comment about the first album, Pike Seventy, and it says YouTube user Wizard Riek says, "LOL, this cover looks like what you would find on a packet of cigarettes in the UK with a warning about smoking." Which I think is pretty good. Let's um I'd have to go back and look at the cover. Which one was that? Like seventy. Go ahead and share it with us if you wouldn't mind. <laughs> That's not far off. That also looks like a pair of testicles. Yeah, it does look, look like it could be like some charred lungs or something for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely <clears throat> does look like organ esque and then the I don't know why they'd put like that face on the the ad though. That'd be weird. Why not? But why? <laughs> also, great point. Great point. Yeah. Another great point. Um, we 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 listened to a YouTube user Subish GC, which says the first Buckethead song. Oh, this sorry. This is in reference to Pike seventy one. 
So that really long guitar solo. It says, the first Buckethead song that actually made me dance to it. I just shut, the, I just shut my room door and dance. It's actually the middle four-note thingy that nearly broke me down to tears. And then we had a response here. William Hoggern responds and says, Here's of joy. I've never been one to dance. I've, I, I, oh, sorry. I've never been one to dance. I've always have moved to music. When I'm trying to get things done, but Bucket's music, my, sorry, this is very hard to read. It's at all commas between everything. <laughs> read it with the commas. Okay, well, I was just starting again. William Hoggern says, Here's of joy. I've never been one to dance. I've always have moved to music. When I'm trying to get things done, but Bucket's music gets my whole body really moving. My neighbor must think I'm having seizures. <laughs> How long you've been listening to BH? I can recommend some songs that will keep you dancing. So all of my pauses there, those were commas. Mm -hmm. uh, that's why it was so awkward. Um, two things. Uh, firstly, dancing to Buckethead, that's cool. Into that. Uh, True. Se second thing, uh, neighbors thinking you are having seizures when you are in fact dancing. A fun concept. Perhaps they don't have the best rhythm. If uh, <laughs> is this like Elaine from Seinfeld, sort of a dance? Yeah, <laughs> instead of like a thump, thump, thump from upstairs, it's like thump, 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 thump. <laughs> Doing the worm, maybe, or doing like an attempted worm. Ooh, some some b boying. Yeah, yeah. Can you can you worm? Can you? No, no. I can't b boy at all. Uh, please remedy that. Should I? You have the time. Just start start in my thirties. Just break dancing in in my thirties. Yeah. I should just do that. Break dancing in your thirties. It's the okay. decade to break dance. Yeah, right. Yeah, everyone starts out breakdancing in their 30s. <laughs> yeah, that's what you do. Lots of famous breakdancers. Like, um, uh, Jamie Kennedy. Oh wait. oh, wait, there are no famous breakdancers. Uh, Jamie Kennedy, hello. Come on. Uh, Kicking it old school. We're not going to qualify. He's got to be at least 30. Yeah, he's like in his 40s now. <laughs> well, but he's a famous breakdancer in his 30s, so... I don't know if we can consider him famous or a breakdancer. <laughs> well, let's get him on the show. Yeah. He's, he's probably not doing anything. No, he's definitely not doing anything. Totally. YouTube user Gumball95 says, I broke a string on my air guitar playing this. That's kind of cute. <laughs> Pretty good sentiment there. No. Oh. Uh, I like that a lot, actually. Yeah, have you ever seen the like the world like air guitar co competition? Or there's like air guitar yeah. bands. So they they would hold air guitar shows at at El Corazon here in Seattle, mm -hmm. a music venue, where people would just play air guitar on stage, and they're like professional air guitarists. They're so so this is literally just drag queens for straight people. <laughs> oh, that makes That's so much. Literally, sense. what you're yeah. describing is for like. Drag queens for people who are afraid to go to a gay bar. Or just like have never thought about that being the thing they want, you know? Yeah, right. Yeah, that's interesting. I like that. 
Mm-hmm. I, I, I like living in a world where one could become a professional air guitarist or an, a professional air guitarist. That's that's great. That's a cool, cool thing to do, I guess. I'd prefer to be a professional air bassist, though, so I can do the bass face. Oh, the air bass face. Do that. Like you can't, you can't do that head motion when you're a guitarist. They don't. No, you. you can't. And so, like, I did that head motion you. a lot when I was playing bass. Like, it just it mm-hmm. happens. You do that like it, it, yeah. kicking thing. You're like, mm-hmm. yeah. You you naturally like you look back at videos of yourself and you're like, did I just Getty Lee? Fuck. I mean, as soon as you start playing bass, you're like, oh man, this should go a soul patch. Oh man, I gotta. Now you know. <laughs> now you know, Spencer. You can't stop it. You can't stop it. It's the move. It's the base. It's inevitable. Uh, it's the, the base, couple, it's, that's the base face. It's the soul patch. It's part of the base face, 100%. Mm. Yeah, I have some kind of facial hair. Um, I don't know if you've ever tried one of these. I've seen them, but I've never tried one of them. It's this body pack, and it's like a speaker that a bass player can wear on his body for if you're so you get the sensation if you're wearing in ears and you can't hear your amplifier. But then they've got this little pack that puts you put on your body, and it's effectively a little vibrating thing, so you can actually feel the impact of the bass in your body while you're playing. That's sick. No, I haven't tried that, but that sounds cool. I, I also like the idea. Of, I've seen those things where it's like it's an armband, but it's like a vibrating metronome. Like, don't, oh, don't really? You are, yeah. Don't don't you already have that vibrating vibrating thing in you at all times, Spencer? <laughs> Shut up. Um, yeah, so like the, there's a company that sells them and they're, they they sync via Bluetooth so you can sync like a bunch of them together um, and it's oh. like a vibrating armband so like everybody in the band can wear it and all be synced up. Um, pretty cool, like very cool idea. I like that a lot. Sick. Pretty sick. Um, so a couple of interesting statements about Buckethead here. Um, user New Path New Path says... Smooth, rich, foaming, smoking, chilled bee brew. Interesting. <laughs> so, if first off, do you think Buckethead like drinks at all? Coffee, hundred percent. Oh yeah. Oh, you, he he mainlines coffee. Yeah. yeah. Do you think? I mean, and also diet coke. And also diet, diet coke. coke. Yeah, yeah. Uh, diet coke. Drinks like I would say like occasionally. I don't know. Uh, like I really don't know. I would imagine he does here and there, but probably I, I can't imagine he's a heavy drinker. Damn. You, yeah, if you're on the road as a professional musician, that doesn't work out so well. Yeah, totally. Uh, tell tell that to Ozzy Osbourne, <laughs> er, Eric yeah. Clapton. Like we were just talking about Eric Clapton. <laughs> like, oh yeah, Zach Wild. Stone drunk. <laughs> You you heard that story about Zach Wild where he like didn't shower for an entire tour or something like that like multiple oh, times it's like disgusting. it's like a thing he does like when he goes on tour he just like tries not to shower as long as possible oh. why <laughs> just to you make everyone else miserable guy? yeah what the fuck that's oh. just mean to everyone else in his band like yeah dude the roadies that want... have to pick him up when he falls down drunk on stage like I feel bad oh. those guys dude. Like, like my friend, uh, so one of my friends saw Zach Wilde play at Ozfest like a mm-hmm. long, long time ago, and they said that uh, he was playing and he was so drunk that he couldn't stand up, so he just fell over while he was playing, but he still kept playing. 
Um, and then roadies came out and picked him up and then just like propped him up and stood behind him while he played. And he just like kept playing and apparently played fine, but was just <laughs> so fucking drunk. <laughs> wow, <laughs> he just couldn't stand. That is legendary. Right <laughs> it's like kind of amazing in, in a way. <laughs> but I was just thinking about like how smelly he must have been. My goodness. Right. Golly. Yeah, especially like, yeah, having that like booze smell on him as well as the mm-hmm. not showering. And, and as from, well like, as a lot like, of, like ash, he's probably like smokes a lot too. So it's oh, like yeah. probably just like this cigarette, old beer, dried Dang. alcohol sweats, bong water and ball you know, sweat. Balls. And, yeah, just all the mm. good stuff. <clears throat> So like a Magic the Gathering competition, like competition. Yeah, ma- uh, any Magic the Gathering, anything. Yeah, yeah shop, totally. Whatever. That's, yeah, one hundred percent. Another interesting statement here. Uh, another, a returning commenter, uh, YouTube user Gumball ninety five. We talked about earlier. Hell yeah, Gumball! We love you, Gumball. I don't know if we love Gumball. <laughs> we, lay it on me. What does Gumball got to say? I'll tell you if we love Gumball or not. Well, says even Helen Keller likes Buckethead. I think that's impossible for us to say. Yeah, well, I mean, she has been dead since uh, <laughs> before Buckethead, I think, was alive. So Wait, really? When did Helen Keller die? Hey, Siri, when did Helen Keller die? Come on. <laughs> Helen Keller died June 1st, 1968 at age 87 in Easton. Wow, that was yeah. so loud. I'm glad that it was. He died before Buckethead was born, yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. All right, well, yeah. Well, then, you know what, YouTube user Gumball95? You're fucking wrong. Helen Keller was fucking dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Pretty good. Yep. Um, anyways. <clears throat> user Lamarta says, Need strong help to understand drawings in layout. Is there a celery somewhere I cannot see? And user Thales responds in the song, yes. The celery's in the music. How do you feel about that? Well, uh, it's known that um, for most of this, uh, he fretted um, with a stalk of celery as a slide. Yeah, I'm just going to say that's real. (laughs) That's definitely, exactly. That's why he called it celery, is because he... uh, just attached, um, you know, celery to each of his fingers. Oh yeah. And just use them to fret. Did just that's why the whole album is just all bar chords. That's shaped nothing, power right there. Nothing but bar chords. No leads. All bar chords, baby. <laughs> celery, celery bar chords. I love it. Uh, our last YouTube comment, but not our last statement. Hey, I'm sorry. This this song's in celery sharp. Let me change my tune. <laughs> I like that. Okay, so our last YouTube comment, but not our last statement from the Bucket Void for today. YouTube user Bob Tilton says, Bobby, my boy. How you doing, Bobby? Am I the cool. only one who hears welcome to the jungle in the riff? And then... Gary Liverton responds, Yes, you are a dickhead. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> yeah, I like that one the most. So so uh the Buckethead community is kind of plagued by this uh 
this like really understated like lack of negativity yeah. on anything like especially within like comments on social media and stuff like even if people don't like something he's doing they just like respectfully disagree or something yeah. they're like oh this is my favorite buckethead but i love buckethead or whatever yeah it's almost always but, very positive yeah right and i i, I want to change that <laughs> especially when people are like oh buckethead it was you know kind of like slashing stuff and i'm like hey listen shut the fuck up first and uh like one one wears a fucking leather fucking top hat uh because he's an idiot and the other wears a bucket because he rules oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. and also their their levels of guitar playing are night and day and by night and day i mean um night man and day man yeah we're just really just like a a steamy pile of shit <laughs> and a very nice pile of shit <laughs> no, uh, uh, all right okay yeah let's our, let's our last statement from the bucket void for tonight is not from youtube it, it it comes from me going to yahoo answers and typing in bucket space head because i wanted to see if that would widen up our uh, our field of purview here a little bit we got a, we get a question here that is not directly related to buckethead or perhaps it is i'm gonna read this imagining that this is buckethead writing this this question okay anonymous asked in home and garden or in, uh slash do it yourself there's a bucket stuck on my head this is serious my friend or sorry me and my friend were messing around and i put a bucket on my head just to be stupid and i can't get it off when i try to take it off it fells like it will rip off my ears sucks um we have a few comments here some of them more helpful than others but my this favorite one origin story what? oh yeah this could be an origin story <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah you see where's the bucket just because you can't get it off <laughs> this is like the mcu version of buckethead this is his origin story when's buckethead joining the mcu he's basically a superhero come on basically. kevin feige make it happen yeah that guy do it yeah all right, so YouTube, or not YouTube, my apologies. Yahoo Answers user Charlie1916 responds, and this was one decade ago, by the way. Okay. He says, drink a whole gallon of water within five minutes, then stand on your head, parentheses bucket, until you puke. Your body can't handle that much water in that amount of time, and it will reject it. This won't help your situation, but it makes me laugh knowing you will probably do it. Well, I gotta go get some beers. Three cheers to Buckethead. I, I, I think oh, that he yes. meant he was referencing Buckethead in that comment. Yes, absolutely <laughs> he was. Three cheers to Buckethead. I think cheers. <coughs> cheers. Cheers. So hold up before we go any further. Three cheers to something. Have you ever like seen any group of people like be asked to give three cheers to something only in, and they go like only in media cheers cheer like no well, they one used, does that hip, hooray hip hip hooray hip hip hooray that's the three cheers i've seen that happen yeah, before yeah that happen, yeah it's cringy but it happens it's disgusting <laughs> nice it's gross <laughs> it's filth 
I've never uh, had a job where I've had to sing happy birthday for a customer, thankfully. That seems very soul-killing. No, I guess I have. Like, you know. No. Yep. Yeah. I have. You, you never had to sing happy birthday at Hope? Oh, uh, well, that's a good question. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I guess I did. But I, think that, I feel like that's different. I don't know. Yeah, like it's not, it's not like an off the street. It's not a customer. Yeah, you know, it's not like a cable relationship with heads who aren't going to tip you. And you have to sing happy birthday. That seems I don't know. terrible. I never got tipped at a group home by any of the dudes <laughs> I took care of. So it kind of is <laughs> par for the course, baby. <laughs> uh, I love that. Um, I like to think that Yahoo Answers user Charlie nineteen sixteen is a bucket bot out in the wild doing. What we're doing now, almost, it's just, you know, sowing the seeds of chaos in the hearts of the timid. Going in raw, baby. <laughs> and with that, that brings us to the end of... Uh... I think what you guys are doing is really cool. I mean, I think Buckethead is a largely misunderstood artist in a lot of ways, by the mainstream especially. Sure. Uh, he's this incredible talent that's out there. I had no idea that he was that, that prolific in the production of music that he was releasing. Oh yeah. That's, that's astounding that anybody has released that much material. Truly, and especially yeah. with diversity of what, what it is out there. That's just, that's incredible. Yeah. That's actually a sentiment that, uh, that Britt and I have shared before. Um, we, it is like legitimately impressive what he's doing. And like, it's been really fun to listen to it all because like, I feel like I have this perspective on him and on music pr production that I just didn't really have before. Like it's, it's genuinely impressive what he's doing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, that the, the fact that he's, you know, been hired by some, some huge names really to, to work as a sideman too, is a testament to the fact that, these guys don't hire slouches. I mean, right. they have their pick of the litter for the very best of the very best who they want to work with. And here's this guy that, you know, wears a bucket and a mask that they choose to tire to bring on stage. Um, that's, that's impressive. Yeah. I mean, his talent alone is credential for his, 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 it, it, who he is and the body of work that he's released is just, uh, I'm going to listen to a lot more of this stuff. This is very, very cool. I can. Cool. Yeah. We should maybe make a playlist on, uh, on like the Spotify. Oh yeah. yeah. We should like, definitely like, make a playlist of like our, our favorite bucket tracks. Yeah, totally. Bucket tracks. Bucket tracks. <laughs> bucket tracks. Uh, well that's statements from the bucket void. Thanks for, Imbibing me. Statements from the bucket boy. Bucket boy. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Hey, Britt, you got anything to recommend us? Um, yeah, I went uh, back uh, this last week and um, rewatched. I hadn't watched it in years. Uh, anime. Um, oh, cool. Yeah, you're still doing that. Are you watching GBZ now? I'm sorry. You're watching DBZ now? I'm not no. Um, I'm just um, finishing up um, uh, 
Neon Genesis. Uh, oh, God, no. I No, okay, I'm cutting you off right now. I don't want to hear about fucking Neon Genesis Evangelion. I was in a fucking <laughs> band with two nerds that did nothing but talk about that band, and I can't... <laughs> Or not band, sorry, that show. They did nothing but talk about that for like a year, dude. And I was like, I don't care about this. Stop talking about it. And like, they would not shut up. Like, and he would drive, drove me nuts, dude. Like, I, I no. <laughs> All right, sir, you got anything right? <laughs> <laughs> Um, Spencer feels a certain way, apparently. So, uh, if you have anything to recommend. That's cool. Uh, a few things I guess, that I'm I guess I can't of... like things now. <laughs> Whatever. Whatever, because some other people liked it. That's fine. Whatever. Uh, a few things. Uh, I'm re-watching Firefly, the series oh. again. All right. Just an amazing series. And um going to start watching here shortly to re-watching uh, something that I watched with Beck, uh, Britt's older brother, uh, here last about a year and a half ago, uh, which is an Amazon Prime series called Good Omens, which was okay. an amazing production. Uh, just amazing. Uh, David Tennant as a demon is just I watched incredibly spot on. I don't know why I didn't finish it. I should maybe go back to that. But like, you before we talk about that, we got to talk about Firefly for a second. Uh, I got to ask you a very important question. Yes. Do you consider yourself a brown coat? Yep. Hell yeah. <laughs> I consider myself a brown pants because I shit myself a lot. TMI, TMI. Uh, okay, so, Brad, do you think the, uh, the overlap between, like, the brown coat slash Firefly fandom community and the average attendance at a Tool concert, do you think it's 100% or, you know, close to? Close to. I mean, it's like there. I, I feel like um, it's about as high as like tool show fandom for Star Trek TNG. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's like more digestible. I feel like um, like Voyager might be higher up on the average tool <laughs> uh, list than like DS Nine is though. Oh yeah. Probably. Like they just really like the procedural fucking nineties Trek. Uh, and and you know what they probably like Discovery more or fucking uh, Picard. Uh, fucking Tool fans love Picard, dude. They fucking love love it. I haven't watched Firefly in a really long time. I I watched it actually right around the time that I moved here to Seattle. I think is when I watched that. Probably like 2010. And uh, I liked it a lot at the time. I liked the movie a lot too. Um, Serenity. Um, yeah, it was good. Yeah, but it's been a long time since I've seen it. Um, does it still hold up? Is it it's still really good? It does. Uh, I'm convinced that absolutely it does. It's it's still relevant. I mean, it's probably more relevant now as far as po the the socio political aspect of it than it was even when it was first released. Hmm. Interesting. You know the the whole thing with the alliance, this you know overlord sort of a thing, trying to 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 take over, uh, especially and the uh, nefarious things that have occurred because of this alliance are extraordinarily relevant today. Interesting. Nice. And especially towards the conclusion, when you get towards the conclusion, it's, it's really fascinating, especially uh, this, the character that Summer Glau plays in there is kind of 
comes alive and you see what she's really made of, which is impressive. Yeah. Which is meat. <laughs> yeah. Bones. We're all meat. We are all meat. That young lady is tough. Yeah. Big jerky. <laughs> Dry meat. <laughs> Britt, do you want to tell me about the Genesis Evangelion? <laughs> no, I'm good. Then. <laughs> okay. I, thought, I, thought I, I think you are too. Just because of Justin Chancellor, though. I mean, the guy's the guy's a monster. <laughs> He's a pretty good bass player. And the other day, I was like going through, uh, like instagram and there was like this live photo of this bass player playing and i'm like uh that dude's got a cool look and i looked at it and it was like hashtag tool and i'm like fuck <laughs> well, I, I was on one of uh steve bailey and vic wooten's podcast or uh, webcasts here a while back and justin was on there telling about how he joined tool mm-hmm. when he auditioned for the he, band he used to play for peaches i think yeah so and he his brother talked him into going to the audition and he wasn't going to do it because he didn't think he was good enough hmm. and then so but his brother told just you know he was going to go to work that day and his brother told him if you don't do this you're going to be sorry for the rest of your life that you I'm, didn't do it you need to do it yeah i think he's better than the guy who came before him too so i don't, I don't know it's weird so he went to the audition and he got the gig and he said and it changed his life forever it was like yeah and because of his brother kicking him in the butt and telling him, go do this, you have to do this. Right. Nice. Yeah, listen to that. Well, sorry, listen to your big brother. <laughs> listen to your big brother and you'll get recognized at Burning Man every year. <laughs> nice. Uh, I would say I don't have a lot to recommend this week outside of... Oh, actually, you know what? I totally do. I watched a show that I thought was pretty good. It's on HBO. It's a miniseries. Six episodes long. It's called The Head. Um, it's about a, an Antarctic research station and murder. It's pretty cool. Ooh, the Head. Would you say you, uh, you, you got Head? Uh, no. <laughs> Would you say you... Got head a bucket cast. You're almost there. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, it's good. Um, it, it's well paced. Like it, I like that it's only six episodes long. It does not overstay its welcome, but it is. Uh, it's good. Like the storytelling is good. It's like half around. It's like mostly in English, but it's also in like Dutch. And like they use a couple of different languages because um, it's like like a European cast, which is really interesting. Like, I it's it's very well done. Would recommend. Oh, super! Heck yeah! I think your video froze there, Spence. Yeah, I'm experiencing uh, internet issues right now. I just got a notification that says my internet is unstable. I don't know what that means. You mean issues the 1999 corn album? Oh, I'm always experiencing that. Hell yeah! Hell yeah! Wallet chains forever. Hell yeah! Golden Corral restroom. Hell yeah! We need a higher. What's going to happen to? What's going to happen to places like Golden Corral post 
COVID. Yeah, that's that's a great fucking question. Yeah, they like that. Those places have got to die, right? Like, yeah, it's like, is anybody ever going to trust this little kid sneezing across the sneeze guard thing ever again? Yeah, right. I'm so hungry now. (laughs) You're thinking about the carving station. I'm just thinking, like, a child sneeze is like the best seasoning. The oh. best sneezing, if you will. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Excuse me, could I get that with uh, the Montreal uh, steak sneezing? Thank you. That's you. Good. All right. Uh, okay. I think that's. Uh, I think that's that. Cool. You wanna you wanna wrap this bad boy up? Oh, I wanna pitch our uh, uh, our Facebook group. Join our Facebook group. Oh hell yeah, we got a Facebook group now. Yeah, nobody Oops. knows about it, so like no one has joined. Yeah, but if you well, want to, I'll post things in there. Well, and don't. I mean, no one tries to get a hold of me anyway. But if you want to, down on there because I don't have Facebook and I don't care. Yeah, you just have Instagram, another Facebook product. Yeah, it's a product though. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. We're all a product. Yep. Okay. Um, where can you? Where? Where can? Where can we find you, sir? Do you want to shout out any projects or anything? Um. Well, uh, my band, The Spinnerds, is starting to book for summer. Uh, we uh, are playing music in the park. I believe it's on the 16th of June. Uh, this, is, this is in Anchorage, Alaska, by the way, folks. So if you book is. music in Anchorage, Alaska, you want a cool surf band, they're a cool surf band. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, and we are putting together an entirely new playlist and new material. We've, we haven't played together in over a year now because of COVID. So we are going to regen ourselves. Uh, We have a new drummer coming in and we are going to put together a whole bunch of new material. Uh, A lot of really cool stuff too. A lot of really cool stuff, uh, some original stuff as well as some cover stuff from uh, a couple of very interesting bands that we found. Um, So we're actively booking and looking forward to getting back out there and playing live again. Heck yeah. Nice. Nice. That's great. Sounds fun. I miss live music a lot. It's it's been it's been difficult. I mean, and that's that's the one thing that that was kept my head on straight for many, many years is just being able to go out and at least a few times a month and play out live. And mm-hmm. uh, the the lack of that has been extraordinarily difficult. I feel that. Spencer, where can we find you online? Don't even bother. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? What about you? Uh, you can reach me at the Queer Goth, or uh, you can reach us at uh, BucketCast on Instagram. There you go. Or at a BucketCast on Twitter. Hey, we remembered it finally. It's great. Yeah, I don't think I even wrote it down. What's our email? Uh, our email is um, getting head podcast at gmail.com amazing look at that hey this has been Brit and this has not been not Spencer and it's been sir
their guest. Thanks for inviting me, guys. I appreciate this. This has been a lot, a lot of fun. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Like, it's great seeing you both too. Yeah, you as well. Uh, you, you've been listening to Getting Head, a bucket cast. Stay greasy, bucket heads. Namaste.